Well, good morning. We are very glad that you're here with us. Welcome again to this Advent season. I'm going to welcome the Natal family to come and light our Advent candle for us this morning. Good morning and welcome to the third Sunday in Advent. It's the time of year when joy is baked in every expectation. We want to inspire it in one another with our gifts and have it overflow from our gatherings. We want the lights on our houses to light up our hearts and every song to lift up our mode. But when the moment misses the expectation, we find ourselves at a loss. But good news, the fullness of heaven's joy wrapped in common threads, descended to earth, upending every expectation. In the most modest of places, among the most ordinary of people, in the most unlikely of circumstances, joy was waiting for everyone. And when we seek him, it is there that we will find a savior. Today we light the joy candle. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 through 11 reads, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Let us pray. Lord, thank you that in you we, have find, we find the greatest joy, our very salvation. Help us to turn to the eternal joy that you offer so that we can point others to you. And we say amen. Amen. We invite you to stand and join the team for worship.
because of you and who you are. Lord God, we shout your praise in this house. Jesus, we worship your name and we come to you this morning as a people in deep need of your presence, of your transforming power, of your love and your freedom that we get to walk in. We praise you and we thank you that you give those freely to those who ask, seek, and knock. Lord, for we want more of you today. <clears throat> there is none like our God. You are worthy of all of our praise and adoration. And God, everything we need can be found in you. I pray for those who are here who are hurting and in need of joy. For you are our source of true joy. For those seeking approval and affirmation, I pray that they would be drawn to you alone and that they would see their worth in you. For those that are in need of provision and healing and love, that they would see the world's version is fleeting and empty, that you are the real and living hope and the real and living provider. And God, finally, in this season and in this time, I pray that we would draw life from you, that our eyes would be focused on you and not the chaos or the lack of what we have, but in the midst, our joy would overflow and that others would see it, and that our relationship with you would be the highlight of this season. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand as we recite the creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in Christ's universal church, the communion of all believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Take a moment, and if you're on this side of the church, greet somebody on that side. Greet somebody you have not met today.
nice to see you all following Joy's direction. So good job. Thank you for greeting one another. For those of you joining us online, we're glad that you're with us as well. If you are new here and haven't um, given us some information so we can get to know you a little better, we would love to get to know you about. We would love to get to know about you and how we can serve you. You can um, scan the QR code in your bulletin or you can go see um, Pastor Jerry at the Information Center after service. Um, There's a gift for you there if you're new, um, so we would love to meet you and welcome. A couple other things happening. Today, 4 o'clock, Youth and Awana are both having their Christmas parties. So for our Awana kids, don't forget your bucks because our store will be ready. Um, And I know the youth will be having a great time too, so everyone is invited. Please come. And Awana at four o'clock. Um, Christmas Eve is next week. Next Sunday is Christmas Eve. We will be having two services, um, and you are invited to be at both of them. Our normal Sunday morning service at ten o'clock. Um, Joy will be bringing the message there, so please come and join us at that time. And then our traditional um, candlelight service at seven o'clock. Um, we'll be back here. Is a time of quiet reflection, a time of beautiful music, a time to think about um, Jesus and the Christmas season. So um, please invite your family, invite your friends to either of those services, and we hope to see you both of those times if you're able next Sunday. And finally, for Bible study, we had our final Bible study last week, so it will be back in um, the middle of January, so keep your ears open for that. Um, So Bible study, a new series, um, will be coming in January. So again, thank you for your giving. Thank you for all of the ways that you support this place and all the different ways that you give. We're going to continue in worship together, so why don't you stand?
Would you pray with me this morning? God, for just a second this morning, we quietly come before you. We acknowledge that prayer is all too often for us a one-way street of communication where we're talking to you and not listening. And so for a second this morning, we want to just listen. It is our desire to worship you and to bless your name, God. But in our humanity and in our frailty, we all too often find ourselves distracted. It can be very hard to be silent in your presence. So Jesus, I pray this morning that you would speak to us. God, I pray specifically for young people in this room right now. God, I pray for our elementary school. I pray for our elementary school students and our preschool students. That they, the church would be a fun, life-giving place for them. But even more than that, God, I pray they would know that you are willing and ready to speak to them that they can hear your voice, and that they can have a relationship with you. God, I pray for our teenagers this morning. God, it's hard to be a teenager in today's society. There's a, a million things seemingly pulling at their attention, pulling, offering them hope, offering them joy, offering them fun, offering them all sorts of attractive things. God, I pray that we as a church would present your love in a way that is attractive to young people. And that our teenagers who are here this morning, wherever they are in their faith journey, would experience your presence and your love in a way that is undeniable. God, I pray that they would ask questions of you. God, I pray that they'd be bold enough to ask you to prove yourself to them because I know you will. God, I pray for parents in this room this morning. And I pray for influencers, whether they're parents or not, people who have influence over young people. That we would also know your voice that we would hear your voice and that our experience of influencing and teaching young people would be one of not theory, but practice. I've seen God do this. Help us to experience your presence, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Children, you are dismissed to Children's Church Uh, If you're new with us this morning, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor here at Faith Discovery Church. It's an honor that you've chosen to spend this morning with us. Um, And um, I can promise you that we work very hard to make your experience here um, 
valuable. That is a value add to you. We try to make sure that when you come to church, your life is better. Your day is better because you were here. But more than that, I can promise you that because you're here, other people's day is better. Their experience of church is better because you're here. And so thank you for making it uh, a priority to be here this morning. If you're joining us online, I'm glad that you're here. I hope you are in, uh, encouraged and that you find value in this service. But I also hope that in your chats that you share during the service that other people uh, get a sense of just how valuable you are to our church. Um, for those of you, we're going to start, I'm going to start a little differently this morning. For those of you who know me, I've been pastor here for about two and a half years, and you know, you've heard me talk every time I talk about money. In fact, I'm going to make it a point not to do this when I talk about money, because I'm going to talk about money for a minute. I hate talking about money. And so I'm going to stop telling you that I hate talking about money. You know that. But there are, it's Christmas time. There are some people who come to church more regularly this time of year. Maybe you've never heard me say this. And you've come to church, and, and seemingly every time you come to church, people talk about money. And you're like, the church is just a place that wants your money. I can promise you this is not a church that just wants your money. We want you to find value here. However, money is a part of our spiritual faith journey, and learning to trust God with every aspect of our life is important. Jesus talked about money, not in an effort to take an offering, but Jesus talked about money in a way, in an effort to help people become discipled and learn that everything we have, everything we receive is God's, and as good stewards, when we give back to God what is rightfully his— We open the door to receiving his blessings. In fact, financial giving is the only aspect in the Bible where God says, test me in this and I'll prove myself to you. And so God's not afraid of your, if you have it, of your doubt, of your unsurety, or of your lack of willingness to be totally open and trustworthy in your finances. But if you'll give God a chance in trusting your finances, just maybe you will open the door to the floodgates of heaven because that's what scripture talks about. And so a lot of you have gotten a letter from me in the last couple of weeks. Now, for those of you under 45, which I'm not, a letter is something you get in the mail that you open the envelope and you read all the things. We were, we were in a leadership team this, this week and we talked about the, the letter, the Christmas letter that I had sent out. And I acknowledge that some people, when you get mail, you don't read it. And, and around the room, and it was pretty generational, the response to that. Those of us, those of the people on the leadership who were younger than me completely understood that that was not necessarily something you did, which is read mail. Now, if you get a handwritten card, you'll typically read it. But most of us believe that mail is junk. So I hope when you got the the Christmas letter from me, you didn't consider it junk. In it, it talked about what our Christmas goals and our Christmas offering this year. And so because I know not everybody reads their mail, 
just want to take a, a few seconds to talk about this year's Christmas offering. Uh, it's not something we've discussed on Sundays, but if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know that this year, probably more than any time in my life, generosity has been in my mind and on my heart and in my spirit. It's been uh, like a, a this just pounding heartbeat of mine that we as a church uh, first of all, that I, that I would recognize and be thankful that we are a generous church and that we as a church would be known in our community for our generosity. And so I love that we are that. I love that... Um, that as we've given opportunities for people to be generous lately, FTC has responded in amazing ways. The food, uh, the, the food drive that we had in November, thank you so much for your generosity. The food pantry is serving more and more families. More, the need continues to grow. I don't know if you've heard financial reports, the, the, the ways that they chart uh, inflation and those kinds of things, and they're starting to come down. There's some good, uh, some good signs about the economy, but there's been no good signs in the cost of goods. The cost of goods hasn't come down, and so the need in our community continues to rise because there are people who need help. And by the way, if you're here, and you need help with food. We have a pantry that we want to bless you with. But I want to thank you so, and we could do that. Talk to me after service. Um, but thank you for your generosity in with the food drive. Thank you for your generosity in our very unique new way that we did this year's giving tree, which is out in the cafe. And this year, in, in the past, we've tried to bless uh, parachurch organizations, community organizations with, with things. And this year, I just felt like we've had a lot of asks. And I told you recently, we may have some more. But it was an opportunity this year for our giving tree. We were just going to do ran, uh, intentional, random acts of kindness. And some people, I know none of the people in the room today, have actually looked at those envelopes on that tree in the foyer and said, I'm scared about what's in it. I don't know what I'm committing to, so I might not take one. And to those of you I've said, or we've said, it's okay, you're not offering to donate an arm. You're not. Um, and so a lot, a lot of you have started to tell me stories about how you, cause you got one that says text a friend you haven't talked to in a long time. Just encourage them. And so I've heard those stories. I've heard stories of, uh, you leaving a note and a, and a small gift for sanitation, uh, people. There's actually, there's like 12 stories that I've had people come up to me and say, I did this and this worked out and this worked out. And it's awesome to hear how just simply trying to bless your community and your circle of influence has worked through our uh, intentional racks, uh, intentional acts of kindness. Um, And so now I come to you with one more, with another opportunity for generosity. This year's Christmas offering will help us to serve families in our community, both inside the church and outside the church. It'll help us to cultivate welcoming environments in all of our facilities and in the community. And some of you are like, Jason, that's fancy words. What does that mean? Well, things like heat. Heat's good. Heat's nice. We want to make sure um, the Christmas offering isn't exactly about this, but uh, the, at the FFC, um, we've had a 
basically a total heat failure and we're rebuilding the entire furnace for the thing and that's been an unexpected cost but the 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 the, that building serves as a as an opportunity for the community seniors meet there daily uh AA meets there a couple of times a week. We have a cloggers group. If you didn't know, we have a cloggers group that meets up there and practices their dance uh, uh, routines. I'm not in that, shockingly. Um, but uh, our youth meet up there. Uh, our food pantry is there. Heat in that building is important. Um, and I don't know if you've noticed around, there's been some small tweaks this year. We have tried very hard to uh, begin to... Uh, be good stewards of this building that we've had since the late 70s. We put new carpet and new pews in this year. I don't know if you noticed. Just kidding. But we have had several. Uh, burnt orange was the color of 2023, by the way, for Benjamin Moore. So everything comes back around. But um, we've, we've done a lot of, of things to, to upgrade in terms of lighting, in terms of painting, and just to continue to be thankful and to steward this building well, because this is a gorgeous building. We have a beautiful church that I intend to steward and lead and cultivate and allow it to be a beacon of, uh, of light into our community for decades to come. In order for that to happen, we need to be good stewards and take care of the maintenance issues that we have. And so we want to cultivate these welcoming environments, and we also want to enhance the culture of benevolence to our friends and neighbors in need. There is a, Our church has become a place where people who need uh, finances who need oil for their house, to heat their house, or they need food for their family. Our church has been a place where people know they can reach out to. And over the last couple of years, actually, uh, several of the churches in the area have, very, have worked very hard to partner together. It's been a very wonderful uh, expression of the body of Christ working together to serve the community of Washington. But costs are going up, people are in need, and we want to make sure we do that. And so... Um, when I sent you uh, a letter, I also sent an envelope. Uh, this envelope is for the Christmas offering. Um, and so that can be given for, for tax purposes. That's the, be- the best time for you to do that is sometime before the end of the month. So it c- you can receive your uh, tax deduction for it. But this is over and above your tithe. And this is a sacrificial thing. And so I encourage you to not, take one of the envel- uh, to not use one of the envelopes today unless you've already prayed about it. Take one of these envelopes and ask God what he might encourage you to do in this offering. And if it doesn't scare you, ask him again. Because he wants to prove himself to you. Because this is more about us raising $15,000. That's the goal that we set. That, that number is just a number. This is, the goal as your pastor is that we grow in our discipleship and our trust in Jesus and we, come, and we grow in our obedience. And that can be difficult with our finances. And so we're asking for that. And so this year, um, ask God how uh, he would direct. Uh, I'm asking you to pray that, about how God would direct you to partner with us as we strive to make a measurable dis- difference for God's kingdom in our region. Um, uh, I disclose... Uh, just going through my notes to make sure I say everything. Uh, this is above and beyond our ties. We gave you a special envelope. Uh, we'll be collecting this throughout December. You can also give online through all of the different ways that we do that. But thank you so much for your generosity. 
as your pastor, it is when I talk to people about our church, two things people ask about. Two things. Well, they ask about one thing and I talk about one thing. People ask me, is it really good between you and Pastor Jerry? How's that possible? You guys really get along? Is this just a facade? I never thought you guys would be able to coexist this long. We both get that question. Uh, It is completely um, good between Pastor Jerry and I. We are trying to do something different in the kingdom of God, and we want other churches to take notice of how the mantle has been passed. Um, And the second thing, the thing that I like to talk about is the generosity of this church. It's been, it's generous to the community. It's been generous to my family and it's an honor and a privilege to be here. And so with that, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your generosity and check out this video and I'll start talking about money. Joy is a major theme that runs throughout the Bible and also the literature of the early church fathers. It's a word with great theological significance because everywhere in Scripture and in and the early church fathers' writings, joy in, 
in the true sense, both individual and corporate, is rooted in an unshakable faith, and it originates in a realization that God has acted and is acting to save those who put their trust in him. In the whole of Christian literature, there are numerous Greek words or clusters of words or phrases that give color to the idea of joy. The very number uh, of these words, the amount of these words helps one approach an understanding of the meaning of this elusive term. After studying the texts uh, in, in, in ancient Christendom, scripture and extra uh, and parascripture and other writings the meaning of joy seems to range from exuberant gaiety that expresses itself in 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 emotional and uh exalted dance which is not going to happen this morning just just so you know to a to a feeling of happiness coming from a good mental outlook on life, to a feeling of well-being that is generated by confidence in the blessing of God, to a deep, quiet, settled, calm joy that is more akin to peace than it is to happiness. And so as one begins to explore joy And the joy that Jesus offers and how the joy that Jesus offers is different because that's been our focus. If you remember, we've been talking about how the themes of Advent, what Jesus offers in them is different than the world. And so as, as one begins to explore how the theme of joy that Jesus offers is different, I suggest that we begin first by confirming that Jesus does, in fact, want us to experience his joy. And we read that right from Jesus in John chapter 15, verses 9 through 12. And you can read behind me. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. See, leave that line up there one more time, just for a second. Jesus is saying, I want my joy to be in you. I want you to experience my joy. And when you experience my joy, your joy will be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Jesus is saying that his joy is different and that he wants us to experience his joy. And that when we obey him, when we follow him, when we trust him with our everything, and when we love each other the way he loved us, we can experience his joy. Jesus said that to his friends, those who had followed him those who had obeyed him uh, he said they could experience his joy and that by like i said by experiencing his joy their joy is complete by experiencing jesus's joy our joy is complete there's no human way to experience the fullness of joy without an encounter with jesus As hard as we try 
Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. The only way as People created by God to, to experience a fullness of joy. The joy that we were created to experience is through an experience with God's presence. The incarnation, which is when God, Jesus, became flesh and took on human nature and became a man in the form of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the second person of the Trinity, Christ was, Jesus was truly God and truly, man, we were having a conversation this morning and we were wondering, when Jesus was two, did he have the terrible twos? Or was Jesus just always well behaved? He had his moments, to be sure. He was fully man. Now, was he good? I have three children. Or Joy and I have three children. And um, some of you have heard this story when we, were, when, when we were pregnant. What a terrible line that is. When, when Joy was pregnant with our oldest, someone told us to specific things to pray. And so uh, we did, and everything we prayed came true. And Mondays, Joy used to go to work, and I would stay home with James, because Monday was my day off in those days. And James was so good. I don't know what happened, but James was so good. And I I could just put Toy Story on the TV and fall down and go to sleep. I mean, on the couch, lay down and go to sleep. And he would wake me up when the movie was over. Again, again. And I would do it again, again. Bad parenting. And so I've learned... The way to have a child and to be able to nap was pray certain things. And then we had Jonah, and we there were no more naps. All of us experienced things differently. There were moments in Jesus' life as a two-year-old where he was difficult. He was fully man and fully God. And he is the source of joy to all creation. All creation, not just humans. In Matthew chapter 2, the Magi, it says, having seen a new star, would uh, they travel from the east and eventually explain the reason for their coming to King Herod. And reading, uh, this is from the ESV, and it starts in Matthew, uh, verse 8 of Matthew 2. It says, And he sent them to Bethlehem, that's Herod, saying, Go and search diligently for this child. When you have found him, bring word to me, that I may too come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose uh, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly, with joy. Now, remember just a few moments ago when I told you there were many words for joy, um, or in the Greek that translate to joy. But the word chosen here in verse 10 is the Greek word chara, C H A R A. And 
when the, uh, it's the same word that we find in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, another ch- chapter 2, verse 10 passage, when the angels announced the, to the shepherds that the Messiah has been born. So the Magi see a star and they see it travel over the place and it brings them the same fullness of of joy that brings them chara just as the angels experience when they say and the angel said to them fear not for behold i bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day a in the city of david a savior who is christ the lord I bring you good news of great joy. Of all the words they could choose, all the ro- words that the biblical writers could choose, they chose the same word for that, uh, that describes that deep sense of peace that's more than happiness for the birth of Jesus. And I say it's all creation. The heavens unveil a new star at the birth of Jesus. The Magi, who represent humanity, have a sense of joy at the birth of Jesus. The angels, not part of humanity, also experience a joy at the birth of Jesus. All of creation is experiencing this emotion of huge proportion because a mammoth thing has happened. The one who spoke the words and spoke the world into being has chosen to come and dwell with us in human form, in skin, as a baby and as a man. That's a big thing. And he's given the name Jesus. The name Jesus isn't a thing in the Old Testament. It's a thing that happens when, G, when Christ, when the second member of the Son, the second member of the Trinity takes on human form, he's given a human name. It's Jesus. And all of creation celebrates. Humanity and the angels have the same reaction to God becoming human. Joy. With the addition of the star, it's as if all creation recognizes and rejoices in the coming of the one who can bring redemption. Most of you know I'm married to a person whose name is Joy. And uh, the story of how she got her name uh, is well known in in her family. Um, Joy, if you don't know that's a picture of my wife she was up here earlier uh she's actually going to be preaching next sunday and um it's really good you don't want to miss what she's going to share next sunday it's really good um but when she was born she was born in virginia her parents had just moved to virginia and because they were having this baby and it was going to be a girl they were going to name her virginia and so um uh, joy was born in a home birth, which freaks me out. We didn't do that, thankfully. But Joy was born at home. And um, she's born, and her father is walking around the house, holding her, praying for Virginia. But he just keeps feeling this sense of rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And so 
he says to Joy's mom, I think we shouldn't, we, I think we're supposed to name her Joy. And her mom was like, yes, let's do it. And so we, I've heard this story many times throughout the years. Um, but I called my father-in-law this week because I knew I was talking about the theme of joy and that I might reference the person of joy. And I was like, just tell me this story again and kind of give me a sense of what that moment was like. And so he talked through it and he said, as I, as I listened, because I left him a voicemail, and he's like, as I listened to your voicemail and I thought about what I'd tell you about that moment, what happened to me is that that's the great, he said, as I think back on that time, that's the, the, word, that's the great thing about the word of the Lord, that it was joy. Because she's joy. And I said, yeah, it's the irony of her life, right? That um, her name is joy and that for so much of her life, she's struggled to find that thing. That she's struggled with, with anxiety and depression and feeling at times where she just w- didn't measure up. And he goes, no, I don't, I'm not talking about that at all. He goes, you're right. That, that's an irony in her life. But he said, she's always brought us joy. And I thought about that for a second. He said, the, the, from the time she was born, the first moments of her life, she's been a person who brings joy to others. And I, and I thought about that as a difference between, that's a difference between joy and happiness. Joy is something that is experienced in you and through you. Happiness brings happiness to you. Joy helps you bring joy to other people. And I've I thought about that, and I think that's part of the difference of Christ's joy in us rather than happiness. Joy's cry, Christ's joy in us helps us bring joy to our circle. We bring it with us. Chara, joy, that feeling of well-being that is generated by confidence in the blessing of God. And that deep, quiet, settled joy that, has mu- that is as much about peace as it is happiness was something that Jesus was taught. That's something that was Jesus was talking about in John chapter 15 when we read it before. He said, "His joy will be within us." And so, but what is his joy? Jesus said that you would experience my, my that my joy would be in you and your joy would be full. But what is Jesus's joy? If you ask that question, I'm with you. Because that's the question I was asking as I was processing this message and this thought from Jesus. And I, I got a sense of it in Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, I believe it gives us a sense of exactly what joy is to Jesus. It says, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. For the joy set before Jesus, the chara set before Jesus, he endured the cross. The cross is not Jesus' joy. The cross is the price for Jesus' joy. He endured the price so that we could have the joy. Jesus was not some 
self-harm doing, enjoying person. The cross was not a place he wanted to go to. The Romans were good at torture. And they were going to torture him, and he knew it. And so he says in the garden, God, if there's any other way that this could pass for me, but not my will, yours be done. Not my will is not, my, not the cross. Not that I don't want a cross, but I'll do the cross because you've called me to it. It's about obedience for Jesus. And so in obedience, he endures the cross so that he could receive the joy. So what's the joy? In this verse, the author of Hebrews is encouraging believers to persevere in the faith. That's what he's doing in this whole place. He's telling them to persevere just as Jesus persevered. And so he uses Jesus as the ultimate example. He says... The joy set before him refers to a future glory. It refers to the exaltation that Jesus would experience on the other side of the cross. In his earthly ministry, Jesus faced the agony of the cross and he endured it with the anticipation of a greater joy that lays ahead. And that joy includes multiple Ideas. First, it includes resurrection and victory. Jesus knew that his sacrificial death on the cross would be followed by his resurrection. That, he would, that it would be followed by him triumphing over sin and over death. Several times throughout the Gospels, Jesus foresaw and explicitly predicted his own resurrection and victory over death. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 19, where Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, he, took, he takes the disciples aside and he foretold of his impending betrayal, crucifixion, and resurrection. He, he shared the specific details of his fate, indicating that he would be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, that he would be condemned to death, and that he would consequently raise again, and that he would do that on the third day. Jesus was very clear about what was going to happen. He had a profound awareness of the events that would unfold, and, and also how his defi- and he had defined authority over life and death. And by openly discussing the details of his Resurrection. Jesus was instilling in his disciples the confidence that victory over death was part of God's redemptive plan. They knew it. Jesus said, I'm going to go, I'm going to die, and I'm going to raise again. So when Jesus, is, when Jesus dies, all the disciples are like, three days, going to be fine. No! How did, could he have died? He told them he was going to. The cross, on the other side of the cross for Jesus, was resurrection and victory. And so he endures the cross to get to it. In John 10, in verses 17 and 18, we see Jesus articulate a deep understanding of his sacrificial mission and his subsequent victory over death. He stated that he was willingly laying down his life and that that he had the authority to take it up again. When he declared this, he highlighted that not only was his sacrificial act voluntary, but that it was not the final step. Jesus was willingly laying down his life. 
and that he was strong enough to pick it up again. By emphasizing his authority over his own life and death and resurrection, Jesus underscored the divine purpose behind his earthly mission. His, the whole thing, all the resurrection and the victory, all of it is to provide salvation and eternal life to humanity and to redeem all of creation. So the first thing that includes, that his joy includes, isn't about him. He's going to be, he's going to have victory, but his victory isn't for him. His victory is for us. The second thing that Jesus' joy includes is an exaltation and glory. That Hebrews passage goes on to say, after his resurrection, Jesus ascended to heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father, signifying his exaltation and his his victory in sharing with the glory of the Father. But Jesus knew that his death was not the end, but was a pathway to exaltation. In John 12, Jesus metaphorically spoke of his impending death and glorification, comparing it to a grain of wheat falling to the ground and dying to bear much fruit. Through these words, through this idea, Jesus conveys that his death was a necessary prelude to his exaltation, where he would draw all people to himself. Moreover, in John 17, in John 17, the first five verses are, are known as like a high priestly prayer. Jesus prays to the Father, expressing his desire uh, to be glorified with the glory he had before the world existed. He demonstrates this awareness of the divine plan, foreseeing that his obedience and that his death will lead to exaltation and restoration of the glory that he shared with the Father. So Jesus knows that he's going to return to the glory and the exaltation of the Father. He sees this coming. And so because he knows on the other side of the cross, I get back to that place, he's willing to go there. And what does he do when he gets there? Romans chapter 8, verse 34 says, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, right hand of God, and is interceding for us. All of his exaltation, all of his glory is to position himself to pray for us. For Jesus, the joy of exaltation and glory is about how it can be used to better the life of others. That's different. In a world where everything, everyone is trying to promote themselves, Jesus is promoting himself to the betterment of other people. I got to get back to that place because that's the place I can do the most good for everybody else. Jesus' joy includes resurrection and victory. It includes exaltation and glory. And it also includes the redemption of humanity and all of creation. I think that's an important point. Jesus didn't just come to forgive us of our sins. He's redeeming all of creation through his sacrifice. Jesus understood the ultimate purpose of his incarnation was to redeem humanity from the effects of sin. Sin had corrupted the world and it had brought separation between God and humanity. Jesus understood that through his sacrifice, people, humans, 
image bearers of God. Through his sacrifice, image bearers would have the opportunity to be reconciled to the one of whom they bear an image to. And that they would, through that, be able to experience the gift of eternal life. Jesus finds joy in the profound satisfaction derived from securing redemption for humanity. For securing salvation for humanity. And by bridging the gap that was created by sin between man and God. This is the power of Christ's sacrifice, wherein the joy of redemption becomes the motivating force that propels Jesus through the agony of the cross for the sake of all humanity, for the sake of all creation. And so Jesus prays in that garden, not my will, but your will. And the writer of Hebrews says, for the, for the, he endures the cross. He endures the cross to get to what's on the other side. You know what's on the other side? You. The Magi had joy at the arrival of Jesus. The angels had joy in the announcement of his birth. We can experience joy in the, beret, in the embrace of his presence. All of creation is excited about the joy of Jesus. And amazingly, Jesus is as excited about saving us and redeeming us as we are. About someone coming to save us. As we are about finding a savior, as humanity is fulfilled, Jesus is excited about saving us as humanity is fulfilled in the promise of Messiah and all creation in the confident hope of redemption. That's the joy set before Jesus. You and right relationship with the Father is worth the cross to Jesus. There is no way in, in all of humanity for us to experience the fullness of joy without an encounter with Jesus. And he's done everything possible to make that possible. But it comes down to you being willing to say, I want to experience that. So maybe you're here this morning and you find yourself saying, Jason, that all sounds well and good. I just don't know whether I can buy it. Or maybe you are here this morning and you find yourself saying, Jason, I've been a a follower of Jesus my whole life, but I don't know that I can ever say that I've experienced what you're saying can come from an experience with Jesus. Or maybe you're here saying, Boy, that that sounds exactly what I've been looking for. If you're in any of those places or any other ones, Jesus is waiting to prove himself to you. 
and to offer you the very thing that your spirit has been dying for since the moment you were born. You can experience joy and joy to the full by submitting to Jesus and choosing to follow him. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I am aware that we live in a world that is aware of the bad things. We watch the news and they highlight all the stuff that's going wrong. People seem to be more interested in hearing about sadness than happiness, more interested in the despair than the joy. And so, Jesus, into that, we just need an invasion of your presence. God, I pray specifically for people who are doubting this morning. That, they, that, that idea of joy sounds great, but they're just not sure it's for them. God, I know it's for them. You know it's for them. Help them believe it could be for them. And then we ask you to do incredible things to prove yourself. I'm thankful that you're not afraid of our doubt. Help us to experience your joy. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite the elders to come forward. We're going to share communion as we do just about every week. And um, and as they do, I'm going to invite you to come down. We'll do just the center aisles today, the two aisles that are closest. Um, invite you to stand, come receive the elements and return to your seat and we will share communion together.
On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he blessed it. And he told his disciples that the bread was his body that had been broken for them. And that they should remember him when they had that meal. Those of us who've put our faith in Jesus, his his body's for us too. And so he endured the cross and had his body broken for us. Would you pray with me, Jesus? Thank you. God, I pray that we would, while we struggle to, to imagine the enormity of your work, that we would experience the love that, that caused you to do it. In your name we pray. Would you take the bread? In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Whenever you drink it, remember me. Let's pray. Jesus, your blood flowed on the cross. You allowed yourself to be beaten and broken and to die because you knew on the other side of it, I'd have life. We have life because of you. Help us to experience the fullness of life that is available in your presence. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you take the cup? Would you stand as I offer today's benediction? It's a different slide, guys, because I just did this on my own right now. This is what the Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Consider him who, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. God, I pray that we do not grow weary, that we do not lose heart. And in a world of darkness, your joy shines like the bright star that shone at your birth in our world. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday for Christmas Eve. Thank you so much.